Chapter Twenty of Joshua by George Ebers. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty. The storm which had risen as night closed in swept over the isthmus. The waves in its lakes dashed high, and the Red Sea, which thrust a bay shaped like the horn of a snail into it from the south, was lashed to the wildest fury farther northward where pharaoh's army protected by the migdal of the south the strongest fort of the eltham line had encamped a short time before the sand lashed by the storm whirled through the air and in the quarter occupied by the king and his great officials hammers were constantly busy driving the tent pins deeper into the earth for the brocades cloths and linen materials which formed the portable houses of pharaoh and his court struck by the gale threatened to break from the poles by which they were supported black clouds hung in the north but the moon and stars were often visible and flashes of distant lightning frequently brightened the horizon even now the moisture of heaven seemed to avoid this rainless region and in all directions fires were burning which the soldiers surrounded in double rows like a living shield to keep the storm from scattering the fuel the sentries had a hard duty for the atmosphere was sultry in spite of the north wind which still blew violently driving fresh clouds of sand into their faces only two sentinels were pacing watchfully to and fro at the most northern gate of the camp but they were enough for on account of the storm no one had appeared for a long time to demand entrance or egress at last three hours after sunset a slender figure scarcely beyond boyhood approached the guards with a firm step and showing a messenger's pass asked the way to prince sipta's tent he seemed to have had a toilsome journey for his thick black locks were tangled and his feet were covered with dust and dried clay yet he excited no suspicion for his bearing was that of a self-reliant freeman his messenger's pass was perfectly correct and the letter he produced was really directed to prince sipta a scribe of the corn storehouses who was sitting at the nearest fire with other officials and subordinate officers examined it as the youth's appearance pleased most of those present and he came from tanis and perhaps brought news a seat at the fire and a share in the meal was offered but he was in haste declining the invitation with thanks he answered the questions curtly and hurriedly and begged the resting soldiers for a guide one was placed at his disposal without delay but he was soon to learn that it was not an easy matter to reach a member of the royal family for the tents of pharaoh his relatives and dignitaries stood in a special spot in the heart of the camp hedged in by the shields of the heavily armed troops when he entered he was challenged again and again and his messenger's pass and the prince's letter were frequently inspected the guide too was sent back and his place was filled by an aristocratic lord called i the eye and ear of the king who busied himself with the seal of the letter but the messenger resolutely demanded it and as soon as it was again in his hand and two tents standing side by side rocking in the tempest had been pointed out to him one as prince sipta's the other as the shelter of kasana the daughter of hornet for whom he asked he turned to the chamberlain who came out of the former one showed him the letter and asked to be taken to the prince but the former offered to deliver the letter to his master whose steward he was and ephraim for he was the messenger agreed if he would obtain him immediate admission to the young widow 
the steward seemed to lay much stress upon getting possession of the letter and after scanning ephraim from top to toe he asked if kasana knew him and when the other assented adding that he brought her a verbal message the egyptian said smiling well then but we must protect our carpets from such feet and you seem weary and in need of refreshment follow me with these words he took him to a small tent before which an old slave and one scarcely beyond childhood were sitting by the fire finishing their late meal with a bunch of garlic they started up as they saw their master but he ordered the old man to wash the messenger's feet and bade the younger ask the prince's cook in his name for meat bread and wine then he led ephraim to his tent which was lighted by a lantern and asked how he who from his appearance was neither a slave nor a person of mean degree had come into such a pitiable plight the messenger replied that on his way he had bandaged the wounds of a severely injured man with the upper part of his apron and the chamberlain instantly went to his baggage and gave him a piece of finely plated linen ephraim's reply which was really very near the truth had cost him so little thought and sounded so sincere that it won credence and the steward's kindness seemed to him so worthy of gratitude that he made no objection when the courtier without injuring the seal pressed the roll of papyrus with a skilful hand separating the layers and peering into the openings to decipher the contents while thus engaged the corpulent courtier's round eyes sparkled brightly and it seemed to the youth as if the countenance of the man whose comfortable plumpness and smooth rotundity at first appeared like a mirror of the utmost kindness of heart now had the semblance of a cat's as soon as the steward had completed his task he begged the youth to refresh himself in all comfort and did not return until ephraim had bathed wrapped a fresh linen upper garment around his hips perfumed and anointed his hair and glancing into the mirror was in the act of slipping a broad gold circlet upon his arm he had hesitated some time ere doing this for he was aware that he would encounter great perils but this circlet was his one costly possession and during his captivity it had been very difficult for him to hide it under his apron it might be of much service to him but if he put it on it would attract attention and increase the danger of being recognized yet the reflection he beheld in the mirror vanity and the desire to appear well in kasana's eyes conquered caution and prudent consideration and the broad costly ornament soon glittered on his arm the steward stood in astonishment before the handsome aristocratic youth so haughty in his bearing who had taken the place of the unassuming messenger the question whether he was a relative of kasana sprang to his lips and receiving an answer in the negative he asked to what family he belonged ephraim bent his eyes on the ground for some time in embarrassment and then requested the egyptian to spare him an answer until he had talked with horneck's daughter the other shaking his head looked at him again but pressed him no farther for what he had read in the letter was a secret which might bring death to whoever was privy to it and the aristocratic young messenger was doubtless the son of a dignitary who belonged to the circle of the fellow conspirators of prince sipta his master a chill ran through the courtier's strong corpulent body and he gazed with mingled sympathy and dread at the blooming human flower associated thus early in plans fraught with danger 
his master had hitherto only hinted at the secret and it would still be possible for him to keep his own fate separate from his should he do so an old age free from care lay before him but if he joined the prince and his plan succeeded how high he might rise terribly momentous was the choice of confronting him the father of many children and beads of perspiration stood on his brow as incapable of any coherent thought he led ephraim to kasana's tent and then hastened to his master silence reigned within the light structure which was composed of poles and gay heavy stuffs tenanted by the beautiful widow with a throbbing heart ephraim approached the entrance and when he at last summoned courage and drew aside the curtain fastened firmly to the earth which the wind puffed out like a sail he beheld a dark room from which a similar one opened on the right and left the one on the left was as dark as the central one but a flickering light stole through numerous chinks of the one on the right the tent was one of those with a flat roof divided into three apartments which he had often seen and the woman who irresistibly attracted him was doubtless in the lighted one to avoid exposing himself to fresh suspicion he must conquer his timid delay and he had already stooped and loosened the loop which fastened the curtain to the hook in the floor when the door of the lighted room opened and a woman's figure entered the dark central chamber was it she should he venture to speak to her yes it must be done panting for breath and clenching his hands he summoned up his courage as if he were about to steal unbidden into the most sacred sanctuary of a temple then he pushed the curtain aside and the woman whom he had just noticed greeted him with a low cry but he speedily regained his composure for a ray of light had fallen on her face revealing that the person who stood before him was not kasana but her nurse who had accompanied her to the prisoners and then to the camp she too recognized him and stared at him as though he had risen from the grave they were old acquaintances for when he was first brought to the archer's house she had prepared his bath and moistened his wound with balsam and during his second stay beneath the same roof she had joined her mistress in nursing him they had chatted away many an hour together and he knew that she was kindly disposed toward him for when midway between waking and sleeping in his burning fever her hand had stroked him with maternal tenderness and afterwards she had never wearied of questioning him about his people and at last had acknowledged that she was descended from the syrians who were allied to the hebrews nay even his language was not wholly strange to her for she was a woman of twenty when dragged to egypt with other prisoners of rameses the great ephraim she was fond of saying reminded her of her own son when he was still younger the youth who had no ill to fear from her so grasping her hand he whispered that he had escaped from his guards and come to ask counsel from her mistress and herself the word escaped was sufficient to satisfy the old woman for her idea of ghosts was that they put others to flight but did not fly themselves relieved she stroked the youth's curls and ere his whispered explanation was ended turned her back upon him and hurried into the lighted room to tell her mistress whom she had found outside a few minutes after ephraim was standing before the woman who had become the guiding star of his life with glowing cheeks he gazed into the beautiful face still flushed by weeping 
and though it gave his heart a pang when, before vouchsafing him a greeting, she inquired whether Hosea had accompanied him, he forgot the foolish pain when he saw her gaze warmly at him. Yet when the nurse asked whether she did not think he looked well and vigorous, and withal more manly in appearance, it seemed as though he had really grown taller, and his heart beat faster and faster. Kasana desired to learn the minutest details of his uncle's experiences, but after he had done her bidding, and finally yielded to the wish to speak of his own fate, she interrupted him to consult the nurse, concerning the means of saving him from unbidden looks and fresh dangers, and the right expedient was soon found. First, with Ephraim's help, the old woman closed the main entrance of the tent as firmly as possible, and then pointed to the dark room into which he must speedily and softly retire as soon as she beckoned to him. Meanwhile, Kasana had poured some wine into a goblet, and when he came back with the nurse, she made him sit down on the giraffe skin at her feet, and asked how he had succeeded in evading the guards, and what he expected from the future. She would tell him in advance that her father had remained in Tanis, so he need not fear recognition and betrayal. Her pleasure in this meeting was evident to both eyes and ears. Nay, when Ephraim commenced his story, by saying that Prince Sipta's command to remove the prisoner's chains, for which they were indebted solely to her, had rendered his escape possible, she clapped her hands like a child. Then her face clouded, and with a deep sigh, she added that ere his arrival, her heart had almost broken with grief and tears, but Hosea should learn what a woman would sacrifice for the most ardent desire of her heart. She repaid with grateful words Ephraim's assurance that, before his flight, he had offered to release his uncle from his bonds, and when she learned that Joshua had refused to accept his nephew's aid, lest it might endanger the success of the plan he had carefully devised for him, she cried out to her nurse, with tearful eyes, that Hosea alone would have been capable of such a deed. To the remainder of the fugitive's tale, she listened intently, often interrupting him with sympathizing questions. The torturing days and nights of the past, which had reached such a happy termination, seemed now like a blissful dream, a bewildering fairy tale, and the goblet she constantly replenished was not needed to lend fire to his narrative. Never before had he been so eloquent as while describing how, in the ravine, he had stepped on some loose stones and rolled head foremost down into the chasm with them. On reaching the bottom, he had believed that all was lost, for soon after extricating himself from the rubbish that had buried him, in order to hurry to the pool, he had heard the whistle of the guards. Yet he had been a good runner from his childhood, had learned in his private pastures to guide himself by the light of the stars, so without glancing to the right or to the left, he had hastened southward as fast as his feet would carry him. Often in the darkness he had fallen over stones, or tripped in the hollows of the desert sand, but only to rise again quickly and dash onward, onward toward the south, where he knew he should find her, Kasana, her for whose sake he recklessly flung to the winds what wiser heads had counseled, her for whom he was ready to sacrifice liberty and life. Whence he derived the courage to confess this, he knew not, and neither the blow from her fan, nor the warning exclamation of the nurse, just look at this boy, sobered him. Nay, his sparkling eyes sought hers, still more frequently as he continued his story. 
one of the hounds which attacked him he had flung against a rock and the other he pelted with stones till it fled howling into a thicket he had seen no other pursuers either that night or during the whole of the next day at last he again reached a travelled road and found country people who told him which way pharaoh's army had marched at noon overwhelmed by fatigue he had fallen asleep under the shade of a sycamore and when he awoke the sun was near its setting he was very hungry so he took a few turnips from a neighboring field but their owner suddenly sprang from a ditch near by and he barely escaped his pursuit he had wandered along during a part of the night and then rested beside a well on the roadside for he knew that wild beasts shun such frequented places after sunrise he continued his march following the road taken by the army everywhere he found traces of it and when shortly before noon exhausted and faint from hunger he reached a village in the cornlands watered by the seti canal he debated whether to sell his gold armlet obtain more strengthening food and receive some silver and copper in change but he was afraid of being taken for a thief and again imprisoned for his apron had been tattered by the thorns and his sandals had long since dropped from his feet he had believed that even the hardest hearts could not fail to pity his misery so hard as it was for him he knocked at a peasant's door and begged but the man gave him nothing save the jeering counsel that a strong young fellow like him ought to use his arms and leave begging to the old and weak a second peasant had even threatened to beat him but as he walked on with drooping head a young woman whom he had noticed in front of the barbarian's house followed him thrust some bread and dates into his hand and whispered hastily that heavy taxes had been levied on the village when pharaoh marched through or she would have given him something better this unexpected donation which he had eaten at the next well had not tasted exactly like a festal banquet but he did not tell kasana that it had been embittered by the doubt whether to fulfil joshua's commission and return to his people or yield to the longing that drew him to her he moved forward resolutely but fate seemed to have undertaken to point out his way for after walking a short half-hour the latter portion of the time through barren land he had found by the wayside a youth of about his own age who moaning with pain held his foot clasped between both hands pity led him to go to him and to his astonishment he recognized the runner and messenger of kasana's father with whom he had often talked apu our nimble nubian runner cried the young widow and ephraim assented and then added that the messenger had been dispatched to convey a letter to prince sipta as quickly as possible and the swift-footed lad who was wont to outstrip his master's noble steeds had shot over the road like an arrow and would have reached his destination in two hours more had he not stepped on the sharp edge of a bottle that had been shattered by a wagon wheel and made a deep and terrible wound and you helped him asked kasana how could i do otherwise asked ephraim he had already lost a great deal of blood and was pale as death so i carried him to the nearest ditch washed the gaping wound and anointed it with his balsam i put the little bottle in his pouch myself a year ago said the nurse who was easily moved wiping her eyes ephraim confirmed the statement for apu had gratefully told him of it then he went on i tore my upper garment into strips and bandaged the wound as well as i could meanwhile he constantly urged haste 
held out the pass and letter his master had given him, and knowing nothing of the misfortune which had befallen me, charged me to deliver the roll to the prince in his place. Oh, how willingly I undertook the task, and soon after the second hour had passed, I reached the camp. The letter is in the prince's hand, and here I am, and I can see that you are glad. But no one was ever so happy as I to sit here at your feet and look up at you, so grateful as I am that you have listened to me kindly, and if you load me with chains again, I will bear it calmly, if you will but care for me. Ah, my misfortune has been so great. I have neither father nor mother, no one who loves me. You, you alone are dear, and you will not repulse me, will you? He fairly shouted the last words, as if beside himself, and carried away by the might of passion, and rendered incapable by terrible experiences of the last few hours of controlling the emotions that assailed him, the youth, still scarcely beyond childhood, who saw himself torn away from and bereft of all that had usually sustained and supported him, sobbed aloud, and like a frightened birdling, seeking protection under its mother's wings, hid his head amid floods of tears in Kasana's lap. Warm compassion seized upon the tender-hearted young widow, and her own eyes grew dim. She laid her hands kindly upon his head, and feeling the tremor that shook the frame of the weeping lad, she raised his head with both hands, kissed his brow and cheeks, looked smilingly into his eyes with tears in her own, and exclaimed, you poor foolish fellow why should i not care for you why should i repel you your uncle is the most beloved man to me and you are like his son for your sakes i have already accepted what i should otherwise have thrust far far from me but now i must go on and must not care what others may think or say of me if only i can accomplish the one thing for which i am risking person life all that i once prized wait you poor impulsive fellow and here she again kissed him on the cheeks i shall succeed in smoothing the path for you also that is enough now this command sounded graver and was intended to curb the increasing impetuosity of the ardent youth but she suddenly started up exclaiming with anxious haste go go at once the footsteps of men approaching the tent and a warning word from the nurse had brought this stern order to the young widow's lips, and Ephraim's quick ear made him understand her anxiety and urged him to join the old nurse in the dark room. There he perceived that a few moments' delay would have betrayed him, for the curtain of the tent was drawn aside, and a man passed through the central space straight to the lighted apartment, where Kasana, the youth heard it distinctly, welcomed the new guest only too cordially, as though his late arrival surprised her. Meanwhile, the nurse had seized her own cloak, flung it over the fugitive's bare shoulders, and whispered, Be near the tent just before sunrise, but do not enter it until I call you, if you value your life. You have neither mother nor father, and my child, Kasana, ah, what a dear loving heart she has. She is the best of all good women, but whether she is fit to be the guide of an inexperienced young blusterer, whose heart is blazing like dry straw with love for her, is another question. I considered many things, while listening to your story, and on account of my liking for you, I will tell you this. You have an uncle who, my child is right there, is the best of men, and I know mankind. Whatever he advised you, do, for it will surely benefit you. Obey him. 
if his bidding leads you far away from here and kasana so much the better for you we are walking in dangerous paths and had it not been done for hosea's sake i would have tried to hold her back with all my might but for him i am an old woman but i would go through fire myself for that man i am more grieved than i can tell both for the pure sweet child and for yourself whom my own son was once so much like so i repeat obey your uncle boy do that or you will go to ruin and that would be a pity with these words without waiting for an answer she drew the curtain of the tent aside and waited until ephraim had slipped through then wiping her eyes she entered as if by chance the lighted chamber but kasana and her late guests had matters to discuss that brooked no witnesses and her dear child only permitted her to light her little lamp at the three-armed candelabra and then sent her to rest she promptly obeyed and in the dark room where her couch stood beside that of her mistress she sank down hid her face in her hands and wept she felt as though the world was upside down she no longer understood her darling kasana for she was sacrificing purity and honor for the sake of a man whom she knew it her soul abhorred. End of chapter 20